Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox. We are glad you're here. Today we want to talk about the background music during worship. A special thanks to all our listeners. We put a blog post out each Thursday and drop a new episode about every two weeks. And for anyone new, we'd love to have you drop by our website and download the Growing as a Worship Leader guide. Visit worshipleadertoolbox.com. So to our post today, hey, Tim, what do you mean by background music? Yeah, I was thinking about the idea of music playing behind a message, toward the end of a message, or during prayer times or something like that. Kind of the musical underlay that kind of helps add tapestry to worship. And um, I don't know if you've experienced this before, but I've been in a few churches, uh, often gospel-style churches, where they'll actually play organ or piano Mm-hmm. while the preacher is preaching the whole time. Oh, yeah. And uh, kind of build up emotions based on what the guy is saying, or, and it's pretty powerful. I've also experienced a guy that came to our church to preach that wanted a underscore pad track the entire message, mm. and he would just hit play in the back, and it was just like an ambient sound the entire message. Hmm. And so those are maybe on the extreme, but the the thing I'm talking about is that those little moments while a preacher is praying or someone is praying – or while um, the message is coming to a close, how we do background music well. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought we'd thought a few things about that today on a little more practical uh, podcast episode. Do you, do you do background music? Do you ever up there strumming while somebody's talking? Oh, yeah. And that's actually um, that's one of my favorite things to do because I feel like I can read the emotion, read the content, read the spirit, um, and play particular things. I, I've always felt that uh, life should have a, quote, soundtrack. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing here is a, is a soundtrack, background music. Um, and yeah, that's really, that's true. Changing uh, the key and, and having whatever kind of finger picking you happen to be doing. Um, I'm learning piano now, so hopefully I'll be doing that in the future. And um, there's some of those really fun uh, gospel chords, the minor 11ths and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I get what you're saying about, um, full, um, the entire sermon that, that, that seems a little bit much and, and maybe, um, having the organ playing uh, at certain points during the entire sermon. Uh, I actually think it's all relative. So if your band is really, really loud, you know, you've got this very energetic band, I think relatively, uh, relative to that band, having a bit of stuff during the whole sermon might actually fit right in. Whereas yeah. if you have just a, a general band or it's a softer band, yeah, I think a little bit um, too much, you know, mm-hmm. for the whole, for the whole service. Well, and you know, like, as you were saying that, it made me think about like late night shows. They oh, have yeah. music that are kind of like interspersed throughout the house band. And I mean, just the ways that people use music in, in those type of settings is, is pretty powerful. We just saw a magician this week that had music come in and come out as every trick ended and as every new one began. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, just the, the presentation of that. Um, so it is powerful, and you you can add to the intensity of words with a little bit of music. Mm-hmm. And I can also kind of uh, agree with what you're saying. I think after you do it a while, or maybe it's just certain personality types mm-hmm. or just a gift, you can start kind of figuring out what might fit best for people to feel most, you know, connected to that music or for the right music to come out when the um, – when the right words are being said or, or whatever the combination is. We don't don't want it to get to be a formula or some sort of, you know, um, mind game, but, but, but the Bible talks about music and it is important. And so 
uh, adding that allows for emotions to be stirred in response to hearing from God's word, especially like at the end of a message. Mm-hmm. And so when I listen to sermons on podcasts, a lot of times I'll hear the pad sound kind of come in as the sermon is winding down. Mm-hmm. And um, so it just makes an impact. And that's what I was thinking about today uh, in our podcast here that we could just share a few thoughts about um, what 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 the background of that is. And, um, and that's where it might get dangerous because, again, this isn't like a formula and these aren't, I mean, it sounds kind of weird to, to put the mind behind how or why you do it, but I think it'd be helpful for worship leaders because it's an important part of flow in worship. So, mm-hmm. uh, number one, the whole band doesn't have to go up. I don't know if your church does this, but I hear a lot, the band can come up. And of course, in our own church, that has sort of subsided over the years because we've kind of figured out, you know, the flow and the method and the message is there uh, available to read as it's going. You don't have to make that, you know, that kind of subtle uh, hint that things are ending. But um, a lot of times I lead worship at special events. And because there isn't that relationship there, uh, often I'll kind of stand up when the thing is obviously winding down and kind of bay off to the side. But um, for those folks, they'll actually say, hey, the band can come up. More often than not, I try to tell the band to not go up. I try to say, hey, let's have one person go up. Because the last thing you need is eight quarter-inch jacks plugging into instruments and (laughs) people banging sticks while they try to get into the drum cage as the person is trying to make an impact. So my, uh, my feeling on the thing, and I've done this for years and years, is that the keyboard player should walk up or the uh, guitarist or whatever. And then after the music is going, and maybe once the preachers even started the prayer, then people can walk up and the commotion isn't as noticeable. Hmm. And so just because the phrase, the band can come up, is spoken, doesn't mean the whole band has to go up. Hmm. So that's one of the ways to make flow happen is to plan ahead for one person to go, to hit the pad sound on the keyboard or noodle on the guitar, whatever the thing is that you've got in the works, and then everybody else can join you. And that also helps with the live feed most church services have now. Because um, if, if you're not careful, um, at the most important closing remarks and the invitation to take whatever action the pastor is preaching about, you see all these feet walk by behind them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> seven people are entering the stage to get ready for you know what's next. And so that was another reason that over the years I've thought we need to not do that. I yeah. once served at a church where the band never left the stage during the entire sermon. <clears throat> oh, that was yeah. um, not my favorite. <laughs> well, and that brings up a good point, too. There's Some churches are set up with the band in the back, yeah. in the green room, the whole service. And so when they do enter the stage, they come in from the back. Okay. Still that, that um, you know, and they, they never do go out into the congregation. And we could probably talk about that all day long, but there's aspects to that that are interesting. I, I like the feeling of the band being in the congregation because they're part of the church. They're not super cool and yeah. you know they're, they don't have special things. But I also like the flow of being in the green room and walking out from the back in the dark and being ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's give and take about both. And, and, and that's where the church kind of shapes, you know, your facility kind of shapes your culture of worship. And, um, 
And if you have a lot of lighting, then the band can kind of sneak in in the dark. But if you're, you know, got stained glass windows, it's always going to be bright. You're never going to sneak up there. You might as well just, you know, be confident and walk up. And Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of ways. But yeah, staying up there the whole time. uh, We do that during baptisms and testimonies and things like that. But um, the whole message that might, uh, you know, that might be, it's another way to think about it, but it might be tough to do (laughs) for the people that are participating and watching the message. A few months ago, our pastor said, let's pray. And that's always our cue for going up. Uh, and uh, But he said, let's pray as the band magically appears after we open our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so standard right there is let's pray. Everybody's walking up. and uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's something weird about that. Like you never want to use prayer as a time for movement yeah. or as a filler. Mm-hmm. You always want to, you know, you don't even want to say a prayer. You always want to pray a prayer. Like you always want to like have that be a moment, but, but also scripture says pray continuously. So we're kind of in that relationship all the time. And so I've heard a lot of people kind of make fun of that. Like we all shut our eyes and we open our eyes and boom, everybody's up there. It's a miracle. Yeah. And they kind of <laughs> joke about that and stuff. And I got over that pretty quickly. Cause I was like, well, when else are we going to walk up? I mean, like if we're yeah. going to come up lead songs in a traditional service. It's the same way. They actually get done praying. They sit down. Everybody waits for 30 seconds while somebody walks up there. Huh. You could do that too. Like it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's just a lot of, I think some people just put way too much stock into the idea of production, presentation, and flow. And all those are really important. But if there's 15 second break while somebody walks on stage, nobody's ever going to be mm-hmm. worried about that. Like, And if you can set it up so there's not, then it's a bonus. Like. It's totally fine. And if you have a, a, a younger band that can do this, if you all run up there really fast, it only takes five seconds. That's true. <laughs> I've never and seen if there's that. There's no stairs. No stairs. Yeah. Careful. Well, you know, if a, if a whole worship team sits on the front row, that adds an element to something neat, too. Oh, yeah. And I rarely see that. The worship team always stays in the back or goes to the back of the sanctuary. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think it'd be neat sometime to build a culture of just. Everybody sitting on the front front row. That's a great idea. Pretty wild. I like it. Uh, but people like to sit with their families. It's hard to get all that kind of stuff changed after years and years. But uh, That's anyway. True. That's true. But definitely, number one, the whole band doesn't have to go up. Number two, have a copy of the message or outline. Do you have this at your church? Do you know what the preacher's saying as far as a No, not, the, not the whole message. Just uh, he gives uh, Leanne the... Um, subject and a couple of song ideas and she goes and picks out some things and they discuss it and, and pick that based on the, the theme, but um, we don't actually have the outline. Well, most often we, um, you know, we don't, we have the, the, that's pretty much what we have in advance, mm-hmm. but that Sunday our preacher is manuscript style. So he has the whole thing written out oh. word for word all the way through. And that is uploaded to Google docs. And so uh, every worship leader can actually sit there if they want and, follow along in the message notes. I mean, the, the message script. And um, our pastor does a real good job of, you know, preaching from that without I me. Mean, I think he practically memorizes it. Hmm. So he, he he just works through that. But then you can pretty much follow along and know when um, the end is drawing near. Hmm. So I like it. And if you don't have the whole message, just knowing, like, being intentional enough to say, hey, what's kind of, where, where do you kind of come to a close? And you know, oh, the story about the sheep, I'll be winding down at that moment. And then you can start thinking, okay, got to listen for that and I'll go up there. Mm-hmm. So, and I do that a lot with special guest preachers mm-hmm. because uh, at special events, that music behind the closing is, is a powerful part of it for sure. And so we have to, uh, 
work out some cue without having the whole message. You know. I, I once went to a church where I saw the preacher uh, point at somebody to the right or left or whatever, point with their index finger and then give the thumbs up or, you know, back, yeah. basically just a small hand gesture. That's all he needed while he was talking. And that worked really beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, there's probably a lot of ways. I mean, once you get to know somebody, you start mm-hmm. hearing the cues. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I've never minded for whatever reason, I've never minded just standing up in the back and walking to the side and making eye contact with the speaker mm-hmm. because then they know that you're ready. Yeah. And then you can start the process of, you know, getting up there without, I mean, there's just that little timing of flow. Yeah. Number three, use pad sounds from the soundboard. Here's something that we've done a few times and mainly based on some of the harvest folks who've had experience with this, they would leave a pad on the laptop or the keyboard in the key of the closing song. Oh. And it would just be a track set for like 60 minutes worth of this pad. Mm-hmm. And then um, the sound guy would be in the mix for this whole thing, and they would pull the pad down as we finished and uh, keep it muted. Then at the right time of the message, unmute, slowly fade up this pad ambient sound that just happens without necessarily anybody being up there. And then we all walk up and join into the key of that song with this pad and do the closing song. And so in that sense, nobody goes up. It's the sound guy who kind of feels the end and mm-hmm. pushes up the pad sound. And then you just hope it's the right key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, I mean, we've done that several times, and it's been a lot of times at conferences we'll do that. And that's been a creative way to make it happen. And, and it's weird. Nobody minds at all that there's music going with no one on stage. Yeah. Like music is such a commonplace that it's – totally fine nobody thinks about it mm-hmm. so i've always liked that i visited a church once where the entire band was sitting in a circle on the floor and the stage was maybe four feet high and so even during the worship service you didn't see them so they just continued sitting there you know through the service mm-hmm. and then they would start playing so there was no movement at all uh because they were they were the whole there the whole time but they were not you know up the, so they, they were down below the stage like in a pit kind of uh, yeah as if you took uh, the yeah. first two rows out of the right side, and then mm-hmm. they were sitting there. And I really liked the fact they were in the circle because that seemed just yeah, that was awesome, organic or whatever. You that, call that's it. part of the uh, you know the nature of how you you know if choirs are in the balcony, mm-hmm. that kind of puts a focus on scripture and the altar table and the pulpit, which is like on the preaching. Uh-huh. If the choir is down in front when they're behind, then that teaches you something. If the pulpit is in front of the altar, that teaches you that. They're probably preaching is more central to the church than sacraments. Mm-hmm. And if it's reversed, I mean, just everything about the, the setup of a sanctuary um, will form a congregation. Mm-hmm. And so that circle is like a good little image as well. Yeah. Number four, don't play intentional melody lines from familiar songs. Yeah, each of these are pretty practical, I realize. But if you play um, the actual melody line to the next song, you're going to kind of uh, get people's mind wandering because they're going to recognize the song and they're going to be thinking of the song. And there is, there's, it's better if your music can just be ambient, melodic stuff. And a lot of times if you're actually trying to, you know, sometimes I've been in traditional services where the pastor says, why don't you play a little piano and underscore, you know, the, um, the prayer time. Well, they might finish a song like Spirit of the Living God or something like that from a traditional standpoint. And then they'll keep playing that song. And it's just a little bit too much. For a piano, it's better just to, you know, hit a little chord and then uh, 
pause a moment, let it just ring out, and then hit another small variant of that chord. Mm -hmm. And you can go back and forth on those two things for uh, pretty much a bulk of the prayer. Mm -hmm. Or especially if it's a closing time of a, you know, last three or four paragraphs of a message and a, and a call and invitation, you can just hit the opening chord of the, um, of the, the next key of the song and go back and forth on a couple chords with that, which is a little bit of noodling. You don't have to have a, a full-blown melody line. Not only is it a little bit too much musically, it, it distracts people if they recognize it. Mm -hmm. And um, if you've had a background in classic rock and all of a sudden you find yourself accidentally <laughs> playing Stairway to Heaven or Highway to Hell during very key moments, a uh, altar call for, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Um, resist yeah, sometimes the urge. <laughs> I, I, get, I get worried because sometimes I'll be playing something and all of a sudden something will come to mind and I realize, uh-oh, I just played the theme song to princess bride and right. so I, yeah. I realize you cannot have that little uh you know you have to hurry up and kind of change it to a minor key or whatever is going to be opposite what you're heading towards and so yeah if you're just playing ambient stuff there's a chance you might mess around well accidentally remind somebody of something <laughs> this is my father's world uses all of the same notes in almost the same order as the lord of the rings theme song the hobbit uh, ah. thing yeah I, I found that out accidentally that was fun <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. So no familiar, no familiar melody lines. You want ambient kind of background. Yeah. Number five, use the key you're going into for the next song. Yeah, we've already mentioned this. That's just important because you don't want to be noodling around and then when the preacher's done, you have to put a capo on and switch to the key of A from D or whatever. So mm -hmm. you want to think about and be prepared for what is the next song and then use that key. And that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, you know, simple little thing, but it sure does make a difference because you could just flow right into what's next. Mm -hmm. Number six, rehearse those times. Yeah. And this might also be counterintuitive, but it's best to rehearse what you're thinking of during those times. So you might need to learn a little bit of a different riff. If you've played the same D, D suspended, D2, D, D suspended for, you know, weeks on end, mm -hmm. you might want to rehearse something different, make a different plan. Definitely rehearse if you're going to have the band join in in any way, like the pad sound on the keyboard or whatever chords you're going to play. Um, it's totally fine to rehearse those moments, even if you don't wind up using them in the exact same way that you rehearsed it. It's just going to build your repertoire and comfortability for the future. And um, and then for sure, mentally, you want to go through it yourself. You want to look through that order and say, okay, the last song's in B-flat, so even before I leave the the song before the message, I'll go ahead and put my capo on, capo three. So when I get back up there, boom, I'm ready to go without a lot of commotion. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the key of B flat. Yeah. You want to rehearse it. Um, this this actually goes into points number seven and eight, but um, I've always wanted to take a second guitar, leave it in an alternate tuning, set up for, you know, if the song if the last song is in the key of D, you can do a drop D tuning or dad gad or some of these other uh -huh. alternate tunings. And that actually gives itself a lot of uh, room for ambient finger picking variety, um, uh, not f um, stepping into some kind of rut or familiar song. Oh, yeah. It can it's be so free-flowing with, uh, amp with um, sound. alternate tunings. Yeah, and even even the capo can do that. There's been times that altar calls at the end of conferences and, and ministry camps and events where that instrumental music during prayer times at the altar might go on for, you know, 
I remember times when it's gone on for 90 minutes. And mm -hmm. so during that time, I'll put, you know, stop it for a moment, put a capo on, capo six even, and uh, fret six, and they'll just change the sound and the feeling so much because of just a little bit of different. Mm -hmm. And those picking times also don't have to be fancy picking times. I mean, if you get into, if you get into some kind of thing, that's going to be distracting. What you just want is, bum, bum, bum. And a pause and a ring out. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, you just want it to be very simple. Mm -hmm. and uh, Lots of reverb on your on your instrument. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of effect helps too. Yep. And that's basically number seven, that we want to learn new picking patterns and chords, and, and if it's acoustic only, to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. so. Uh, so that's number seven. Uh, number eight is stay ambient and uh, don't get rhythmic. And uh, I, I always think of um, some sparkly reverb some kind of uh hull or whatever you know brand of reverb that you like uh, uh -huh. as, as helps with that yeah the the sound guy is very important during all this as part of this uh, background music whether you push up some audio instrumental pad or at the very least your sound guys in tune with the end of church and the end of worship or the prayer time and they don't have you muted i mean the worst scenario is you're up there muted playing along and all of a sudden at the key pristine kind of action call a prayer moment, boom, unmute, bing, and a big loud noise comes out. So your sound guy has to be with you on this. They have to know that you're coming up and if they miss it, they need to pull you down, unmute, push it up. You really got to plan these times out so that you mm -hmm. don't have a, a wacky kind of thing happen. And um, I usually just tell, I, I, I buy guitars that don't have natural feedback issues yeah, and they're, they're more expensive. I'm not sure why I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but I have to have my guitar on. Like I can't just have my guitar muted out there because, um, you, you never know when it's going to come up. So if, if the sound guy is used to muting the guitar cause he's worried about feedback or any other number of issues and then the prayer time comes and I'm playing, I, I, I can't deal with that. Like I'm not like a, you know, uh, you know, too cool for, I'm not, I'm not like a, uh, a, a diva worship leader, but the one thing I do make sure happens is my guitar's always on because that's part of worship. And mm -hmm. so that's a part of that. Um, real quick note on the tech side of that, uh, there's a thing called a notch filter that both my Alvarez guitars have a notch filter built into the, um, to the EQ mm -hmm. on board that helps uh -huh. with the feedback and you kind of set that for the room. Um, yeah. and then a, um, it's not kind of it's not called a phase shifter, but it's got a phase button on it that will reverse oh, yeah. some polarity or something something like that, and it helps with the feedback. Well, and some of that feedback stuff has changed over the years with um, different monitor setups. So mm -hmm. now, with most often using in ear monitors at various settings, um, that acoustic feedback doesn't happen as much. Yeah, and of course, when the guitar's on the stand, sitting in front of a wedge monitor, if you're in that situation. It's fine for the sound guy to mute it. I'm not saying that you know sound guys can't ever touch the mute button on my guitar channel, but um, they have to be with me. Yeah. Like that's part of this whole ambient feel is it can't be choppy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, two bits of more technology. More <laughs> uh, two more bits of technology. I always use a, a volume pedal um, so that I can have swells and so yeah. that I can cut cut my own self. You know, be my own mute person. And uh, mm -hmm. so I can unplug because I don't like to have my battery draining down during the whole service. Yeah. So I always hit my uh, volume pedal so that when I unplug, it's not going to pop and I can save my battery. Uh, so that's yeah. my motion. Um, yeah, that's, 
that's a good point too. Um, I have never used any accessories. I think because when I did have them originally, I would leave them everywhere I was at. So I've left oh more guitar stands and, <laughs> and uh, you know, just things around everywhere. So I pretty much plug my guitar into a direct box and go for it. Mm-hmm. And the way I get around the popping noise, because I also don't want to drain the battery either, is I just unplug from the direct box and then I unplug from my guitar. That's and good. that adds, um, I mean, it's like the hard way to not be, you know, popping noises. But it does add to a level of craziness when you're getting back up there. You have to bend over and plug back in. It makes a lot of noise to plug into a direct box. So on a typical Sunday morning with the 25-minute sermon, I just sacrifice the battery and just leave it in there. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's good. But I know if, you know, if it's going to be a long time or I'm at a retreat or something, um, I've taught everybody I've been with, you unplug from the direct box, unplug from the guitar, then you're fine. And you don't wait around for the, the sound guy to maybe remember to mute you the moment you're done. Because yeah. most people are quicker on the pull-out than they are on the you know, soundboard for everybody than the band at least. Yeah. Um, loop pedal has been very helpful for me during those, you mentioned a 90 minute, um, prayer time or, uh-huh. you know, whatever loop pedal has, I don't use it actually a lot cause our, our pastor doesn't have that, but I, I went, I was at another church where that would happen and boy, that saves your fingers, uh, have just five minutes worth of playing and then just sit that on. And you can add layers on top of that, you know, if you want to add a few more, just yep. slight notes here and there. Uh, well, I, I know that um, I recorded, and I think we talked about this before, but I recorded a uh, altar album, I called it, because it was during prayer times that I would play a lot of this. And um, and it, all the songs don't fit exactly into that, but a lot of them are that style of like long pauses between and things like that. And so uh, not using loop pedal, although I think those are awesome, I sometimes when we would do those events, that it would go on and on and on. Uh, the people in the back would just put that album on and it was hilarious because I'm playing along that style and then all of a sudden the pre-recorded music comes on it's still me but it's it's a different uh, you know I'm not just up there hurting and trying to figure out what to do next and so um, we'll have to add that to the show links yeah people can get that album and use it if it's ever helpful well thanks for being part of the worship leader toolbox today can't wait to see you next time thank you Tim yep it was great Dave thanks for being here <laughs>